Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. I am Janelle and I am your host. I am so excited to be with you today. We have been working through the nine practices of my newest book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, Rewrite Your Own Story. Nine practices that help you move from a place of heart rift, that is the a wound that has come your way either through hurtful words or difficult relationships or perhaps some negative narrative you have been carrying along with you throughout your life. It takes you from heart rift into heart shift, that moment when your heart awakens to truth and you have an aha, an epiphany, and you'd go, I, I want to be healthy. And you come into a beautiful place that I call a heart lift. So that heart lift is that psychological brightness that comes when you have finally, finally let go, made sense or made meaning of the hurt, the wound, the difficulty, the obstacle, and you move into a beautiful place of rest and richness. I call all of that the heart lift method. And I talk a lot about that in our previous episode, so I'll let you catch up there. But today is all about practice seven, embrace a teachable spirit. The intention of practice seven, I will overcome hurtful words by embracing a teachable spirit. When I was writing overcoming hurtful words, almost every single morning I woke up and I put a beautiful necklace uh, that bore the inscription Ankara Imparo, which is translated, I am always learning. One morning while I was researching for an online college course that I was facilitating, I read something about the brilliant artist and sculptor Michelangelo. And it's recorded that somewhere in his 80s, yes, I did say 80s, he was heard saying that Ancaro Imparo, I am always learning. And I distinctly remember it taking my breath away. If a brilliant man like Michelangelo could still be learning in his 80s, ought not I adopt such a mantra in my own life? And I did. And his thoughts became a driving force during my own crushing, heart-rifting season. Because no matter how much we learn in life, there is still more to learn, right? I think the Michelangelo mantra, as I've come to call it, serves as a beautiful invitation to embrace teachability. Now, we don't hear that word spoken of a whole lot anymore. 
But to have teachability, maybe in counseling terms, would be to have a growth mindset. There's something called a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. So I just wanted to read a little bit about this mindset concept that was developed by psychologist Carol Dweck. And it was popularized in her book, Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. And in recent years, many, many, many schools, businesses, educators have really begun to implement Dweck's theories and used her theory and her theories to inform how they teach students, train workers, and evoke and facilitate constant growth within employees and students. A mindset, according to Dweck, is a self-perception or a self-theory that we hold about ourselves, believing that we are either intelligent or unintelligent is a simple example of a mindset. So people might also have a mindset related to personal or professional lives. I'm a good teacher or I'm a bad parent. For example, people can be aware or unaware of their mindsets. And I would I would say as a counselor and a helping professional, I think most of us are unaware of our mindset until we've been made aware of it. And you know, as I always say, self-awareness is essential to healing, especially to emotional healing and to emotional growth. So when we begin to apply self-awareness, we begin to kind of step outside of our own life and look at our life, calling this introspection or self-examination, as uh, Ignatius would have called it. Anytime we begin a growth transformational process, the Bible calls it sanctification, where we want to grow and transform into all of our God-breathed capacity, potential, and purpose, we need to be aware of the places in our life where we have a fixed mindset and then adapt and begin to move and operate from a growth mindset. So she, Dweck, says they can have profound, mindsets can have a profound effect on learning achievement, skill acquisition, and here's what we tend to really focus on here, personal relationships, professional success, and many other dimensions of life. She couldn't be more more right. Dweck's educational work centers on the distinction between fixed and growth. According to Dweck, in a fixed mindset, people believe their basic qualities, like their intelligence or their talent, are simply fixed traits. They spend their time documenting their intelligence or talent instead of developing them. So this is the key here. Fixed mindset, we could almost say stuckness. We're stuck there. We believe it. We've been told it long enough in our lives that it's our gospel truth, it's our identity, and nothing will change. How many times do I hear, oh, she's not going to change. Oh, he's not going to change. And how many times do I tell myself, oh, you're not going to change. That negative self-talk that I default to in times of fatigue or depression or overwork or 
times of great stress. They also believe, those with the fixed mindset, that talent alone creates success without effort. Dweck's research suggests that students who have adopted a fixed mindset, the belief that they are either smart or dumb and there is no way to change this, for example, may learn less than they could or learn at a slower rate while also shying away from challenges since poor performance might either confirm they can't learn if they believe they are dumb or indicate that they are less intelligent than they think if they believe they are smart. So she suggests that when students with fixed mindsets fail at something, as they inevitably will, they tend to tell themselves they can't or won't be able to do it. I just can't learn algebra. (laughs) Or they make excuses to rationalize the failure, which is the defense mechanism, I would have passed the test if I'd had one more time to study. This is so important, and I'm so happy to be introducing this in addition to the text and the information given in Practice 7, Embrace a Teachable Spirit in Overcoming Hurtful Words. Like I said, always learning. Can't fit everything into one chapter in a book. So I love, that's why I love this podcast, because we can extend the conversation and and dig in deeper. So Dweck's delineation between fixed and growth mindsets has potentially far-reaching implications. I'm sure you're already sensing that as I read through this brilliant article. Since the way that we think or students think about learning intelligence and their own abilities absolutely affects progress and improvement. So even though we're talking in in an academic sense here about teachers and students, apply this to you personally, because we are all students of life. So if you adopted a fixed mindset emotionally, I'll never change. I will always be this way. My mother was this way. My father was this way. My grandmother was this way, et cetera, et cetera. I won't change. It's not going to change. Nothing changes. Does that sound familiar today? But if teachers encourage students to believe that they can learn more and become smarter if they work hard and practice, one of our favorite words, Dweck's findings suggest it is more likely that students will in fact learn more and become smarter if they work hard and practice. It's proven. They will, in fact, learn more, learn it faster and more thoroughly. Then if they believe that learning is determined by how intelligent or unintelligent they are. Love this. So in a growth mindset, then, we can just say everything opposite is true. You are open, malleable. You have a belief system, a perception that you can and will be able to grow, to learn something new, to change something that perhaps seems that you are incapable of changing. So to frame uh, practice seven, embrace a teachable spirit, 
Let's put on the glasses. Let's frame what we're talking about with a growth mindset lens. And I truly believe that Jesus had a growth mindset. It is evidenced throughout his ministry. And as we read through and watch and observe how he met and dealt and had relationship with every person in his sphere of influence, it was always a growth mindset. You can change. You can go and sin no more. You can rise up and walk. Yes, you can. Nothing is impossible with me. He he would say, he said, nothing is impossible. All things are possible through me, through my spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit. All things. He said, greater things will you do than I have done here in my earthly ministry because I am leaving you with the Holy Spirit who will empower you. So, so important to look through that lens of growth mindset. Growth, growth, growth. So, one of my favorite foundational proofs, I would say, biblically, is found in Proverbs 18, 15. I stood on this as prophetic footing for many, many years. Wise men and women are always learning, always listening for fresh insights. Oh, yes, my personal ministry, my writing has taken its own transformative course through the years. But one thread has always been woven throughout everything I say, teach, do, is that wise men and wise women are always learning and always looking for fresh insights. Fixed mindset is stale, stuck, but a growth mindset is always learning and always listening and always, may I add, believing that change is possible. It's so possible. Do you believe that? Maybe if you don't, just borrow my belief because There was a day I didn't believe that. I thought, oh, that person's not going to change. I'm not going to change. But through practice, practice, and more practice, it has. So the heart lift process offers each of us a pivotal to choose or not to choose moment. We can choose a teachable spirit or choose to stay the same. We don't have to forgive. We don't have to heal. We don't have to do anything we don't want to do. That is the power of what we call in the Judeo-Christian tradition, free will. Even as I write the thoughts in practice seven, embrace a teachable spirit, I recalled the whispers of Viktor Frankl between a stimulus and a response is a space. And I call it a sacred space. I also call it a spiritual tipping point. That critical moment in a complex situation or relationship in which a small influence or development produces a sudden large or irreversible change. Life's multitude 
of hurtful, difficulty, difficult moments leads to a sacred space, a spiritual tipping point in our life where we find ourselves at a crossroads, we find ourselves at a teetering point, and we have to make a decision in that sacred space between the stimulus and the response. We have a breath, typically. We hesitate there. Do I hold on to the hate and anger I feel for this person who hurled hurtful words at me? Do I want to make the hard choice and forgive them? Do I want to dig deep and practice new healthy behaviors? If I do, I'll have to change. Not too sure it's worth my time or energy. Oh, any of this sound familiar? It's it's ringing in my ears right now. No matter what I do, nothing changes anyway. I'm done. I'm finished. I don't want to do it anymore. I see the angst of this moment unfold every day in my own life and in the lives of my clients. Whether in uh, whatever setting it might be, I can feel that moment of hesitation when I'm sitting across from someone. It fills the air and a choice has to be made. The air's so heavy, I can feel that sacred moment getting ready to happen. Hesitation and uncertainty linger because unhealthy behavior patterns are as comfortable as an old pair of shoes. When hate is all you know, you choose hate. When dysfunction is all you know, you choose dysfunction. When guarding a grudge is all you know, you guard the grudge. So with bated breath, I lean in, pray silently for courage, and I wait. Eternity, hear me now, please. Eternity balances in that sacred space between hesitation and action. Deborah knew all about that sacred space, that space that lingers between hesitation and action. She knew the harmful effects of hesitancy. We talked about it so many times. She came to my office with a heavy heart. I'm so tired of hating her, she cried. So tired. I know, I said. I've been right where you are, and it is exhausting. How about we take care of your heart today, I said, and let's release this all into God's capable hands. I just don't know, she cried even harder. I want to let it go, but I've been holding on to this grudge in my heart for so many years. It will feel strange to live without it. I just don't know if I can. It was Deborah's very own moment to choose or not to choose. I said, you know what, Deborah, grudges are smudges on the face of our hearts. I leaned in, I took her hands in mine, and I said, today, today is your day to get rid of this grudge once and for all, and start living out the love. I'm here to help you. Let me give your grudge a little nudge. What do you say? Deborah took a deep breath. Why don't we all do that right now? She bowed her head. Let's bow our heads. 
And let's nod yes. Together, let's pray that today is your day. It's my day to give up the grudge, perhaps, that we've been carrying with us for decades or months or days or even hours. Perhaps it's anger. Perhaps it's unforgiveness. Perhaps it is unbelief. Maybe you're just plain old angry at God for some reason. Deborah had a choice that day. You have a choice today and I have a choice today. We have a choice. What choice will we make in this moment? The question begs an answer, doesn't it? And I urge you like Paul, the apostle, urged those following behind him to choose the remarkable love and life that God has for you. Let love in. Let love win. This is so important that I'm going to take a pause for just a moment. And I ask you to let me pray these powerful words over you. We're not sitting hand to hand, foot to foot, face to face, but we are heart to heart right here. (laughs) UPS man driving up, honking his horn and all. And he's going to ring the doorbell in a minute. So just don't think about it. (laughs) We're not actually in the same physical presence together, but we are in a spiritual place and we are heart to heart. So let me pray these encouraging words over you that the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19. When I think of the wisdom and scope of his plan, I fall down on my knees and pray to the Father of all the great family of God, some of them already in heaven and some down here on earth, that out of his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you the mighty inner strengthening of his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you, yes, you, today, be able to feel and understand us all, as God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is. And to experience this love for yourselves, though it is so great that you will never see the end of it fully or you'll never fully understand it. And so at last you will be filled up with God, with God, not grudges or anger or hate or unforgiveness or sadness or sorrow or grievances or fill in the blank. You will be filled up with God himself. Amen. So often our hesitancy holds us back, doesn't it? And we stop shy just shy of being filled up with God himself. I don't want you to stop shy of freedom. Freedom will look so good on you. I'm just going to say freedom looks good on you. Within these five verses in Ephesians 3, Paul shows us five ways to press through this hesitancy Five ways to get through that sacred space between the stimulus and response. 
and embrace the teachable spirit that leads to true freedom in Christ. I'm going to go through them quickly as our time is slipping away. Number one, a teachable spirit bows down in humility and surrender to God as if to say, God, I am so tired of living with these grudges or with this, you fill in the blank. Help me give up my grudges and live out the life I want to live and let me let love in. Let me let love win. It can also look like this. God, I don't want to be a know-it-all or a blank anymore. Help me change, please. Number two, a teachable spirit prays first and acts second. Even if it's just a brave three-word prayer, God help me. Our brave three-word prayer. If you have your book, I'm on page 139, getting ready to flip to 140. Number three, a teachable spirit welcomes the mighty inner strengthening of the Holy Spirit and receives the power and courage to break through any barriers. Remember, Genesis 2, 7, God breathed his breath into our being. That translate that God gave us everything we need. An enlarged capacity for resilience and rest and strength and power and courage and oh, bravery. Number four. A teachable spirit trusts in God's plan over personal plans. Hmm. Always giving God the space to verify, delay, or ultimately rewrite our plans. Psalm 115.3 says, God is in the heavens. He does whatever pleases him. And I add, he ultimately does what will ultimately please us because he is a Genesis 50, 20 God, a God who turns around all things, Romans 8, 28, for our good. Rest, oh dear friends, in the embrace of this teachable spirit. There's no safer place to be. As hard as it is to trust God, oh my goodness, trust in God. And we're going to talk about that so much more in the next episode in practice eight. God can be trusted. Hear me, please. To your tender heart, this seems almost impossible. But as you continually fall into the embrace of your heavenly father, your good, good father, and begin relating to him as your heavenly father, intimacy, the intimacy you are so desiring. We talked about it last time. Into me you see. That deep friendship where you know you belong to God and he is your father. Wisdom then will take your hand and she will guide you. And before you know it, you will have moved through your pain. I love it. Let's close with those beautiful, beautiful words. From my prophetic footing that I... I have stood on for so long. Proverbs 18, 15. Wise men and women are always learning, always listening for fresh insights. Because wise men and women have a growth mindset. We are set like flint on transformation, on sanctification, that 
big theological term that means I can change and I can become more like Christ. I hope and I pray that these words have led you into a growth mindset, into a tremendous sense of yesness, <laughs> affirmation that today is your day to choose to live into all God has for your life because it's so good. It's been my honor. Never forget that you have value, worth, and dignity. And I will see you next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com.